0: As we come to 1 Timothy tonight again, we're taking our time with this book. Uh, Tonight we are still in chapter 1, and we're really only focusing on, on three verses of the chapter tonight. And as we come to this passage, remember that right at the very heart of this letter is the relationship that exists between Paul the writer of this letter, and Timothy, the friend and the co-worker who is receiving this letter. And their relationship in itself has important things to teach us about the gospel and how it transforms our relationships with people. The gospel should change us, The gospel should have an impact on our life, a change that is measurable as we look at our life and as we see ourselves on this upward curve of becoming more and more like our Savior Jesus. And the gospel should transform relationships. And yet, when I think about my own life, And if you were being honest about your life, and as I think about all of the people, God's people in Christ, whom I've had the privilege of knowing down through the years in many congregations, honestly, it seems that too often the gospel does not transform our relationships. So, we need to think about that a lot as we look at this model that is provided for us running all the way through this letter. And tonight we're, vo- we're focusing on verses 18 to 20 in chapter 1, and in those verses straight away we are reminded of the nature of this relationship that existed between Paul and Timothy because we, we look at the warmth of the language that is used here by Paul. He addresses someone who is not a blood relative, someone who is a co-worker, if you like, an apprentice, an assistant in gospel ministry as his son. Look at verse 18, Timothy, my son. So, let's remember that before anything else, this letter that we are reading is personal. The Paul thinks of Timothy As a son. And for that reason, we get deep insights into Paul's mind and his heart. He is sharing with Timothy in the way that you might do with a child whom you love and trust. But we also remember that, as well as being a personal letter, this is a letter that is before us tonight that in God's wisdom, in His timing, in His purposes, this letter has been transmitted to us in Holy Scripture, that what we are reading here is not simply personal. It's not like letters that you could find in a museum between two people, that there is something more going on here, that this letter is also prophetic that is, it is proclaiming God's Word. Remember, how Paul refers to himself, even though there is this warmth of relationship like a father and a son at the beginning of this letter. In verse 1, Paul lays out his credentials. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, an appointed messenger And so, what we read tonight is God's Word to us that elevates the importance of what we are considering. It's not a man's opinion a couple of thousand years ago. It is what God wants you to hear tonight, right here, right now. And remember last time we heard a bit of Paul's amazing testimony, And right at the heart of his testimony is this conviction that God has power to change people. That's what Paul believed, because it's what he experienced in his own life. And so, in this letter, as he shares his testimony with Timothy, Paul marvels at and rejoices in the depths of God's mercy and the power that the Lord has to transform people. So that he says of himself in verse 13, if you look back at that verse, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was bad news. But then he goes on to say in that verse, I was shown mercy. And that is obviously something that is so important to Paul because he repeats that phrase again in the passage in verse 16, I was shown mercy. I was granted mercy from the Lord. So that as he reflects on what God has done in his own life, he provides us with a beautiful summary of the gospel that is worth looking at again in verse 15. Remember how he really bigs up this message in verse 15 with this introductory phrase that we encounter elsewhere, in these letters to Timothy and in the letter to Titus, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. So that when Timothy and Titus would have been reading this letter and then maybe reading this letter aloud to their congregations, that would have been the sit up and take notice phrase. It's a bit like, I don't know whether I should talk about a low, a low if you remember it, but Remember the the resistance worker? Listen very carefully. I shall say this only once. And Paul's saying, listen very carefully. This is something you need to hear. And what is it in verse 15? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Folks, the gospel should leave us humble if we are gospel people who have been transformed by the gospel of grace, if we have been saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no room for pride. There is no place for big ideas about ourselves. Because right at the heart of the gospel is this awareness of a great dependence on God. And so tonight... As we come to the end of this passage, the end of this opening chapter, we learn more about Timothy's ministry, and by implication, we learn more about the Christian life, the life that we are called to live and lead as disciples of the Lord Jesus. And what we are provided here by Paul at the end of the chapter is this huge contrast between how Timothy is called to live in verse 18… And we'll think about that verse in a moment, and the way the false teachers are described in verses 19 and 20. So, first of all, let's think about what Timothy is to be like, as Paul tells him how he is to conduct his ministry. And as he does that, he uses a strange phrase in verse 18 that needs a bit of explanation and unpacking this evening. Look at what he says to Timothy in verse 18. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Well, let's deal with the second part of that first of all. Timothy is to live out in his Christian life and ministry in a way that is in keeping with the prophecies once made made about him. Now, what are these prophecies, and when were they given? What is this all about? Well, Paul does not elaborate on what these prophecies were, and why would he need to? He is writing to Timothy, who received these prophecies, and undoubtedly this would have been a highlight in Timothy's Christian life and ministry. He would have remembered well what it is that he had received, And the most likely explanation is that these were prophecies, messages from God that were given to Timothy at the time of his ordination. It's an event that's referred to later in the letter in chapter 4, verse 14. And what we discover is that at his ordination, and so we carry this forward to today and to the ordination of ministers today that at his ordination, the elders laid hands on Timothy, and he himself received the gift of prophecy. He was equipped to do this task of gospel ministry. He was given this ability to proclaim God's Word. Now, I think there's something orderly and instructive in what we read here, because we live in a time when it seems that almost everyone imagines that they have a right to teach God's Word. All kinds of ministries that are set up, all kinds of go-it-alone people saying, this is my task, this is my ministry. And we're in a time when, when these people have an audience and they have a, an opportunity through social media in particular. But if we return to Scripture, if we look at the pattern and the example of Scripture, what we see there is that preachers of God's Word, those who prophesy, and what that ultimately means is the proclaiming of God's Word, those preachers of God's Word must be, first of all, gifted. And it is a gift that is recognized by mature believers. And then they must be set apart and commissioned for that task. So, that's why in our Presbyterian church, we don't have a system where anyone can just rock up and say, you know, I feel that I'm going to teach God's Word, so let's get on with it. We talk about a sense of call. And that sense of call is tested by the church, by mature believers. First of all, by a Kirk session, then by a presbytery, then by a panel of the central church. And I wonder tonight, do we respect that? And do we value ordained teachers, preachers of God's Word? But then the other thing to note about verse 18 is again how Paul addresses his spiritual son Timothy. He may be a son in the faith. There may be this loving relationship that exists between these two men who are servants of Christ but he makes it clear, he says in verse 18, Timothy, I am giving you this instruction. Or again, as, we, or as I like to do, if we look around the, the modern versions of the Bible that maybe we're using here tonight, in the newer version or translation of the NIV, that word is command. And the ESV is a charge. Have we got, yep, charge. So that conveys the strength of this. Instruction, command, charge. So it's important that we we recognize here this is not Paul writing a letter and saying, You know, Timothy, I'm suggesting to you, or I want to give you a wee bit of advice here. Now you can take it or leave it. No, Timothy, I am instructing you, I give you this charge. So, that here we get this precious insight into this particular gospel relationship. We see that Timothy respected and valued Paul's authority as an apostle. And so, I ask the question are we open to being instructed, charged, commanded from God's word by those? with spiritual authority, that goes against the spirit of our age. It's not something that people in our society today seem to be comfortable with, but we stand on God's Word. We stand on Scripture. So, what will obeying Paul's command, following the words of these prophecies that were given to him, at ordination, lead to in Timothy's life and ministry? Well, Paul goes on to say in verse 18, the verse 19, so that by following them, these prophecies that were given, by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience, that you may fight the good fight, the newer version of the NAV, that you may fight the battle well. well, the ESV, that you may wage the good warfare. And people, if the Christian life ever feels like a battle, that's because it is. If it ever feels like there is a war going on in your life, As a believer in Christ, that's because there is. We're at war with this world. By that we mean the the, the forces, the, the dark forces that seek to control this fallen world. We're at war with the evil one who would want us to slip up and would want us to take our gaze off Christ we are at war within ourselves. There is a civil war going on as the, the new creation in Christ wars with the old sinful nature. And we feel that battle keenly because we feel that that, that ing and fro that the pulling us away from living for Christ and living for God's glory. And it's interesting that in the context of instructing Timothy on how he should preach God's Word, that there Paul makes reference to a good conscience. So, he's saying, Timothy, you need to guard your own walk with the Lord above all else, and so must we. Whatever our role within the church of Jesus Christ, we need to guard our walk with the Lord. And this is what the two false teachers then mentioned in verses 19 and 20 have failed to do because also in this passage we get to see what false preachers are like. And in referring to Hymenaeus and Alexander, Paul is giving us a helpful warning about false teachers. He lets us know what they are like, why they need to be avoided, and how we should deal with them as a faithful church. And we already know that false teaching, false doctrine, was a major problem in this church in Ephesus where Timothy was a pastor. Paul has already referred to the problem of false teaching in this letter back in verses 3 and 4. In fact, look at those verses again. And you'll note the, the language here and the strength of it that once again, command, don't just suggest, command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work. They do far more harm than good. And now here, right at the end of the chapter, we get this contrast between what Paul is commanding Timothy to do and how he's commanding him to live and how it is with these false teachers. Paul says of them in verse 19 that they have shipwrecked their faith. And that's a really strong phrase. It's a powerful description. And it's Paul speaking from experience. Remember that literally Paul had been shipwrecked. He knew the, 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 the damage. He knew how catastrophic a shipwreck was. He had experienced one. Maybe today we would talk in a different way. We would say, what a complete car crash. Well, we would want to avoid our Christian life being a total car crash, being a shipwreck, being completely destroyed? And how has this come about? Well, Paul says it has happened because they have rejected their good conscience. In other words, they've stopped listening to God. And he mentions two people in particular in verse 20, Hymenaeus and Alexander. Hymenaeus is not a common name. And so it's probably the same person who is mentioned by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 17 where Paul says his false teaching is spreading like gangrene. It is disastrous. And what this guy was teaching was that our resurrection as believers had already happened. And it was causing all kinds of confusion for those who had committed their lives to Christ. And as for Alexander, we're not exactly sure who he was. We sometimes talk about which came first, the chicken or the egg. Well, when it comes to false teachers, bad doctrine accompanies bad behavior. And sometimes it can be hard for us to tell which came first. In some cases, people start to live in a wrong way, and then they they change their doctrine. They change their understanding of God's Word, and they twist and pervert God's Word to accommodate their way of living. We see this at the present time within the Church of England, and the stance that many within it are taking in terms of same-sex relationships. But on the other hand, there can be people who start to get very wrong ideas about the gospel. And that eventually leads to certain changes in their behavior. It leads to tolerance of certain ways of living. But either way, ethos and ethics are closely linked how we live, is very much intertwined with what we believe. And so, we need to guard our good conscience, that God-given response that we have to what He teaches us. And here's Paul's shocking conclusion to the chapter, because he says of these men Hymenaeus and Alexander, verse 20, I have handed them over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Now, what are we to make of this? We're not entirely sure what exactly the process that Paul had in mind was, but we must note from Scripture, from all that we learn in Scripture, that when teaching is given the deal with fellow believers who are in spiritual danger, either because of what they are living or what they are believing or what they are teaching. It is always with their salvation in mind. It is to be a restorative process. And so, are you in a dangerous place spiritually? Then you need to take steps, and you need to receive the help of those around you within the church of Jesus Christ so that it will bring you towards restoration. Tonight again, we get to see the nature of gospel relationships, of gospel friendship, the deep concern that Paul has for Timothy and the congregation in Ephesus that Timothy is ministering to, and the deep respect that Timothy has for Paul, what we ultimately are granted to see in this passage is Christ-likeness from both of these men, Christ-likeness in their relationships, in their submission to the authority of God a Christ-likeness that is needed in our lives and which we need in this church. We pray that God will continue to do His good work in us, making us more and more like His Son, Jesus, for His honor and His sake. Amen.